You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. And welcome to the Strong Towns Podcast. Today I have with me as our guest, Caressa Givens. She's the Community Engagement Coordinator for Milwaukee, Wisconsin's bike share program called Bubbler. She also serves as a bicycle advocate with the Wisconsin Bike Federation, teaching safety and organizing wellness events. Welcome, Caressa, to the Strong Towns Podcast. Thanks for having me. So you work for Bubbler, which is the Milwaukee Bike Share Program. Um, how did you get into that and what's your background? Well, actually, to clarify, um, in the last four years, I have served with the Wisconsin Bike Federation, and now Bubbler partners with them, so I still work with them on a collaborative basis, but I no longer work with them specifically, but that's how I got into working at Bubbler Bikes. I was serving in the community um, at Milwaukee Public Schools and through Boys and Girls uh, Community Learning Center facilities in the summertime, teaching young people how to ride bikes in the street and how to ride safely. So I gravitated towards bubbler bikes kind of as an easy progression um, from being involved in those activities. Were you with bubbler at the beginning or not? Actually, bubbler has been around since 2011, but they had like one station at the beginning and only maybe two people working for them. So I came on about you know, a little bit afterwards. And so in 2016, I came on and they were still, they were operating on full volume, but didn't, didn't have a mission department. So they've been around for a little bit, but at maybe a smaller capacity, um, somewhere around 30 stations prior to when I came, came on. Tell me more about that um, mission driven focus that has been added to Bubbler that you're part of. Sure. Prior to my coming to Bubbler Bikes, um, the executive director here found an opportunity through a um, organization called the Better Bike Share Partnership, which is um, funded by a wellness foundation out on the East Coast. And it was a pretty large sum of money um, that was awarded to the Philadelphia um, Indigo Bike Share. And it was under the terms that some of that funding was distributed to other bike share systems across the country. The Housing Authority and Bubbler Bike Share co-wrote a, a, a grant request um, from the Better Bike Share Partnership. So we received some funding to work specifically in public housing and in working with Section 8 residents to provide engagement and low-cost pass programming for those residents. When I came on to Bubbler Bikes, that grant funding had already been secured, um, but it was sort of like, what's the next step to how do we create a uh, solid program and adopt an access manager? And I'd already, I'd still been working at Bike Federation at the time, and I, I just asked if I could come to that meeting <laughs> and learn more about what was going on. And I guess maybe I asked a few poignant questions because of kind of where I was with that current employment program with bike fed and they said, well, do you want to, you do want to take on this project? And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I guess it wasn't necessarily just, it just fell in my lap. I mean, it has come from previous years of a lot of uh, community engagement and learning, learning about how people function in the neighborhoods and what are their needs and concerns when it comes to um, getting around safely and living productive lifestyles. So 
How has that program working with the housing authority kind of unfolded? What do you do? Well, that's a great question. It's actually coming um, to an end in October, and I've learned a considerable amount from this project. So at the moment, what I do is I've onboarded a group or on and off two to four people to help with um, communicating the project or the program to um, residents living in public housing and also living in Section 8 housing. So the requirement is that we'd hire within that program and those people would be our resident ambassadors. So they would be ambassador to the program and connect with residents because they have that knowledge and that connection to the existing community. So we would go out and canvas in specific neighborhoods. That is uh, the Hillside and Carver Park neighborhoods, because those are where um, some of our stations are. And we would talk to residents about the opportunity to access the low cost pass, but we would also enrich that experience with um, group rides and educational sessions um, so that we can learn more about what people think about biking and maybe what their apprehensions are, or maybe they already have a routine down when it comes to active transportation um, so that we can serve those individuals better. The enrollment services and the engagement are the two key components to the program. We actually asked for an extension because um, Wisconsin winters have proven to be quite lethal and not a lot of people ride in general. It doesn't matter who you are. So we were happy to get the extension and be able to work throughout the summer. And we continue to do those, offer those two key components, which is the enrollment services and the engagement programming. I have had different people working for me, but every time I've had a different individual or a group of people working for me, I've learned a lot about how to manage uh, youth and how to work with individuals um, living in public housing and Section 8 housing and what they what they need um, to as employees, which is very, very significant and shouldn't be overlooked. What are um, some of the things that have come out of this? Like what's been the response from the people that you've worked with in this program? It's been a mixed a mixed batch, but mostly through taking surveys and talking to people. A lot of people are very, very interested in using the bike share services because they, before they just didn't have a bike. They're talking about how it's nice to have um, a bike that they don't necessarily have to maintain or have to worry about getting stolen. It's a really good cost. Um, and on the other hand, there are some people that actually look at bike share as a huge gentrifier. Now that we're a part of um, more community groups, and I've been attending the Developing Neighborhood Improvement District meetings for, for the neighborhood of Harambe, which is just a neighborhood just north of Hillside, there are many concerns about anything from housing to education and new things coming along that people are concerned that it's going to disperse um, the neighborhood and and kick people out. A lot of the engagement services that we provide um, are about listening to people's needs and concerns and also making genuine connections with people where, where we're emphasizing that we want to be here for them and not trying to remove their presence um, from the neighborhood. I've definitely been, you know, reading about and hearing about that sentiment of 
bike share or bike lanes might mean gentrification in, in other places. I know like recently there's been a lot of talk in some San Francisco neighborhoods about this. What have you learned from other cities that have, you know, experienced that pushback? Well, I definitely think that in expansion and planning, you have to consider how to get into less dense areas of the city, which include not only include poor neighborhoods, but they include neighborhoods of all kinds, because many of those who are not served or for those who the system could be most advantageous for them are living in neighborhoods and are often isolated from various forms of transportation where there's it's underserved in transportation or not served at all. So some of the things that we're learning about is like creating token efforts to put stations in, in poor neighborhoods where, you know, you might not have a station for another good solid three to five miles. Well, that lowers your probability of being able to access other aspects or other stations in the system. So it doesn't really work for you. One of the challenges that we're facing right now in-house, aside from outside of the country, is, you know, this is a, a this is a P3 organization. So anybody can purchase a station. So we have a lot of stations that are moving into the surrounding suburbs of the city and not into the central neighborhoods just because of uh, there is a lack of investment and there is a lack of leadership that is growing. Don't discredit the powerful leaders of Milwaukee's inner core. But, you know, there's also a lot of other um, very pressing needs and concerns when it comes to housing and education and health that these individuals are focused on. So it's a it's a balancing act in terms of getting into these less dense neighborhoods. And there's some systems around the country that have um, foiled or had to retract a lot of their their services because they had to find a effective way of getting in these neighborhoods without without sacrificing their own sustainability as an organization because bike share is just starting to take off. Some cities support it and put it into their budgets and some cities don't get as much direct funding from cities and counties and they have to kind of go at it on their own and get that funding through grant grabbing and through community like hardcore grassroots support. And that's something that we're doing right now. So it's a very, you know, it's, it's very delicate process and, you know, that's happening all over the country. You will see some cities like like Portland who got like a huge, huge throwdown from Nike. But as soon as you see the brand Nike, like I think the perception is that this is not for me because it's corporate. But they were able to put a lot of stations down at once. So they have to sort of supplement their introduction to the community with really great programming. Whereas some systems are more piecemeal and you know might not get that huge backing right away and have to kind of really prove themselves and put themselves out there and hold themselves accountable for everything that they do like very small steps at a time so how is the um, milwaukee bike share system funded how did the startup funding work and then how does the funding for new stations work well, the startup funding um, happened through three huge bicycle enthusiasts and locals here in Milwaukee. They just did a huge fundraising effort and applied for grants. And we were able to get an executive director in here and be supplemented by the wonderful contributions of some really awesome foundations like the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. So we started fundraising initially, got a station 
Um, and then what came along was a climate mitigation air quality grant. And so the last two major um, surges of increase in our system have come from that federal grant funding. Um, and as for the rest of our stations, they have literally been filled in by people who are really dedicated to seeing multimodal transit pop off in a growing city. Uh, we've been approached by developers who see the bike share as an, a wonderful added amenity to their new development. And then we've seen large companies who want to increase the amenities for their workforce to build a, a healthier and a more global workforce, providing those amenities for talent that have different attitudes towards lifestyle is really important to them, where, you know, walk is just literally growing exponentially when it comes to different types of industries. And those when those people come along, you know, they want to have multimodal transit access. They want to be able to get to work in different ways and save money and et cetera. So that's kind of where we are. We also have neighborhoods that have come out to us and say, why isn't Bubbler in our neighborhood? So um, we've started working on a crowdsourcing project as a, basically like a tool kit that we can deliver to any other neighborhoods in the area who really think that Bubbler should be there. But we, we recognize that it's a, you know, it's a varying process that's not so immediate. And here's what you can do to make that happen in your neighborhood. And so we're actually doing working on one right now. Um, and we hope to garner enough support to get a station as a crowdsourced initiative, which would be really exciting so that we can kind of fill in those gaps that like large grant sourcing doesn't always necessarily you know, complete for us. So you've talked about the kind of like private company just funds a huge bike share program like the Nike in Portland or the city bikes in Chicago and things. And then, you know, the model that you guys are using, are there other types of funding models for these? Not, not really. I mean, either it's either your, your city or county is able to adopt it and is, it's a for-profit. Like in Chicago, they have a for-profit company, which is Divi, and they're worked into the budget, or it's a P3. At the moment, the only other uh, form of bicycle share supplement is there's a huge wave of the venture capitalist efforts from from China that are coming through, where they're just producing an, an exceeding amount of bicycles at a very low cost um, and dropping them in in cities and but those don't have as much administrative support whereas they have a, a lot of financial backing to continue to produce bikes if they go missing or they get stolen they just make more <laughs> they're having a very actually a very big issue in china right now with the cost of removing the bikes from the public right-of-way they've kind of touched down in some cities in uh, the u.s seattle particularly because seattle just lost their bike share due to a lot of issues with being able to expand into lower density areas it's a real thing we'll see how they they progress because i think that there's a different set of regulations in the United States when it comes to right away and policy either there's just like a you know big VC VC money projects for nonprofit or uh, government level that's kind of where we're at right now 
What are the ways that Bubbler, since it started, has kind of adapted to different preferences um, in Milwaukee? Obviously, the location of stations is a big kind of like demand-driven thing. Are there any other um, ways that you guys are responding to, I don't know, surveys or just assessments of how people are using the system and adapting? Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, we started issuing out a phone survey because a lot of people opt in to get text messages to you know, find out whether your bike has been um, returned or not, which is good just as a little plug. It's nice to have be knowledgeable about if you've returned your bike. <laughs> um, and through that process, we've done a general general survey of where people are going and why they're going there, how they're spending their money, etc. And um, we have found out through the, that survey that we have almost a 50-50 split on recreation and commuting, which we were really surprised by being so close to the lake and having this wonderful amenity and having Summerfest, which does create a huge surge of ridership every single year. Um, but people are going places on our bikes. They're getting to work. They're connecting to the next bus. Um, and we've also found through that, that there is actually an ex- exceeding amount of women who are riding our bikes. It's, I think it's like a, a little over a 40, 60 split. So we wanted to do that just because, our big initiative this year was connecting with the commuter crowd and encouraging people to find value in bike share beyond recreation. So we put that out in the universe. Now we are actually almost on the crest of releasing a wonderful transit integrated pass with MCTS that allows you to use one card for both the bus and for bubbler. We um, have noted some exceptional growth throughout the country, specifically with LA Metro and their pursuit to create a transit integrated card. And it's actually quite good. It's a good model. We are still working off of two different platforms to load your card. But we like to think that even though on the back end, you still have to kind of be responsible for both for separate accounts. It's the relationships that we form where the public perceives that these two groups are working together to make your commute easier. So like perception is a really big thing, right? From that data collection, we have really tried to move in a different direction in terms of satisfying those needs. Yeah, I've noticed um, when I'm on the bus and the stop is near a bubbler station, it will not just say like, here's the intersection where the bus is now stopping. It also says like bubbler station here. That's really cool. And I don't I'm sure there was a lot of work that went into making that happen. But that's just like a tiny, awesome benefit. The MCTS um, relationship that we have from you know with the bus announcements, it's just been a growing relationship. It's one of the reasons why we decided to create that survey. It's all interlinked. Uh, we just wanted to create a, an additional stepping stone from that transit integration. You know, just announcing that on the bus, as long as I think it's a less than a quarter of a mile from any um, intersection or bus station announcement they will automatically announce that. It actually, it's not as much work, but work to actually make the physical thing happen. But it's more of like, hey, you guys have historically had issues with ridership on the bus. Like, how do we work together to make commuting cooler and more acceptable and flexible? And it's a, a lot about changing minds. 
So that's where the work came in is like sitting down and really putting our heads together and thinking about like, despite the fact that numbers have been dramatically low, like how can we both uplift each other to make people's experiences better? Yeah, I would imagine there are plenty of situations too where like, rather than transferring between two buses and taking like a much longer route, you could just hop on a bike and bike an extra 10 minutes and like just take one bus or I can see that there would be plenty of ways to the bubbler would be simplifying. So that's awesome. And we have testament to that as well. A lot of people are making those connections because transit is becoming more flexible. Do you have a sense of from your data gathering whether there are like tourists that are using the bike share and whether that's like a a tourism booster or that's that's like an additional financial driver definitely a a little bit of data um, but we mostly see just like that uptick during events in the summertime and we also see that as a result um, we have more tourist based organizations and companies coming up to us to link our services with their offerings. That's how we know that people are really utilizing the bike share system where it's like, you know, we've got a hotel that comes to us and says, Hey, you need to help us out because people are coming to us and wanting to explore the city by bike because they do it everywhere else in the country. Help us out. As for the, one of the latest surveys that I was mentioning before, anyone who opts in, to get that text message notification. It could be a tourist or not. Um, but we were mainly focused on how they get around and why and why they do it. So there's definitely a little bit of tinge on the tourist. We've only had that survey out for mm, maybe a couple of months. We shut that survey down into the summer. So it wasn't necessarily a clear indicator that the tourism was king. So you may have had 200 people that took the survey. Well, we started the survey in, you know, February and we shut down the survey in, you know, June. So, you know, you're not going to get as much hard data. But like I said, a lot of people come to us and say, hey, how can we connect our amenities with your amenities to maximize our tourism services? Yeah, I know someone who was visiting and he took the Amtrak like from Chicago and I think there's now like bikes by the Amtrak station. So he just like hopped on the bike when he got off the train and used that to get around, which is, that's really cool. Yep. That's our intermodal station. Yep. A lot of people utilize it. I talked to a lot of people who work downtown that actually commute from Chicago on the Hiawatha and take, take the bubbler from there. What impact do you think bubbler is having beyond just getting people on bikes? Like, is it encouraging more attention to be paid towards bikes and bike infrastructure in general in the city? Do you think it's encouraging like more bike lanes and things like that? Or are you guys pretty just focused on building the system up right now? Oh, I think it has had a massive impact. We now serve on many committee advisory boards for the city and are included in a lot of conversations when it comes to maximizing our bike and pedestrian facilities. Um, I will say we are currently in the process um, as a city of trying to finalize a complete streets policy plan, which is amazing, and also a pedestrian plan. And just being invited to the table um, to be a part of those conversations means that, you know, people are taking the growth and the and the planning process seriously at the city level. And also just a lot more people coming to us to try to improve their workplace 
core values in terms of building healthier teams. You know, they realize that there is a residual benefit to having a healthy team. And, you know, and a lot of people are actually also adopting wellness plans into their, you know, into their businesses. So you actually have like people that come and do yoga or whatever they do, because that, that means less sick days, healthier minds and bodies. And people are starting to take that more seriously. So we see growth definitely in those two um, aspects. I want to return to something you said earlier, which is that you used to or currently work with Boys and Girls Club. Was that right? A bike Federation uh, attends um, the Boys and Girls Clubs around the city. They're, they have a CLC program where kids attend and they do various activities. So as a third party, I would visit those camps to work with them. Is there any push to create kids' bikes in bike share systems? I haven't really seen that anywhere else. I've fielded a lot of these questions most recently, even within the month. Um, I do want to mention we also we do have a program, a collaboration between Boys and Girls Club here at Bubbler Bikes. I don't know why that seemed to just funnel out of my mind. Currently, I know of two bicycle share organizations that are encouraging more children on bikes, and one of them is in Milan. They actually have smaller bikes for the public um, that you know the kids and the parents or the guardian can actually do city riding um, freely and they have a certain pass type which I think is phenomenal and it's extraordinarily cute it's really cute and then in Paris um, their bike share organization Velib has a kitty offering but that one is just um, it's isolated at like a, a park or trail so the kids can go over and basically kind of play ride, but it's still something, you know, if your kids don't have access to bikes and it's just something you can bring them down to the park and have them do for a while and have an experience that they wouldn't necessarily have. I think it's still helpful to encourage families to get on a bike on some level. As for us, we at the moment don't have any plans in the near future to do any adaptive bikes for families or kids bikes it, it does take a lot of planning and execution for that but it's not something that we would say no to because we do recognize that a sustainable city and a healthy city starts with families it really does and it's one of the you can see that in places like Copenhagen and Amsterdam and I don't know if anybody's ever visited there I have once and I saw so many families getting their kids out on bikes in the most wild ways. You know, it's almost like you're you're opening a Dr. Seuss book and you're just watching people pile on groceries and various goods and four or five children onto these bikes and you scratch your head and you're like, "Holy cow. This is where it, this is where it starts." It you know, it starts with healthy habits, sustainable habits in in the home. So, you know, we are not opposed to it, but it's definitely gonna gonna take some planning and strategy, and that goes also for ADA bikes too, like any adaptive bikes. Um, that's another thing that people ask us about a lot, and we are committed to that. But we want to make sure that when people obtain those ADA bikes, they have safe and supportive spaces to to ride. You know, maybe a place to put your wheelchair or a a personnel to help help guide you through that experience um, so that, you know, you feel encouraged. 
Yeah, those are a lot of moving pieces to think about, but that's sure. that's awesome. I hope someday in the future those things can happen. Well, I do want to give a little bit of a shout out to um, Ramp Up MKE. Um, it's in collaboration with Independence First. They're working on an amazing project to create more ad- adaptive experiences at public parks and or at the county parks. And um, we've collaborated with them. At the moment, we service all of their adaptive bikes um, for free, and we'd like to maximize our partnership with them so that you know we can continue that program like i said in a safe and supportive space um the last question i wanted to ask you is are there any bike share systems in other places in the u.s that you like have a crush on that are like really amazing examples obviously bubbler is really cool um are there any others that you guys kind of look look up to absolutely there are definitely those those sh- shining jewels. I'm really, really liking what Relay Bike Share in Atlanta is doing. They've teamed up with um, some local black bike groups to encourage more biking in black and brown neighborhoods. And seeing people like you or representations of you on bicycles is really, really important to getting more people thinking differently about active transport. So I love what Relay Bike Share is doing, and they just have a lot of energy. And of course, everybody loves this this bike share system which is um indigo uh bike share in philadelphia indigo actually has a very similar demographic and social and cultural comparison to milwaukee so they are friends they've consulted us a lot they have a lot of great models for their access passes and um, their education and the way that they are planning and expanding throughout the city of philadelphia it's just remarkable so i'm totally in love with those two bike shares for sure. And I also really, really like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is doing a really good job too. Well, Carissa Givens, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and sharing all your insights about these different aspects of bike share. I think it's fascinating to hear about, especially since we're seeing bike share getting more and more popular in different cities across the country. So hopefully that growth keeps on going and moving in these interesting directions that you've talked about. Thank you so much for having me, and it's a pleasure to be on the program. Okay, take care. Thanks. Bye. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org. Drastic times require what? Drastic measures, yes! Who said that? They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's a story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Who made this city? I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit, Agenda 21. Yeah.